Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming up on this week's Gagan Pressing, Manu and Chris are joined by Bundesliga World Feed commentator James Thurgood for a Saturday hot take on Bayern's wobble and Dortmund's pressing issue. Then renowned journalist Konstantin Ekner gives his thoughts on RB Leipzig, Julian Nagelsmann and the resurgence of Emil Forsberg. That's all coming up in the next 40 minutes on Gagan Pressing, the Bundesliga podcast. Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hallo und willkommen zu Gegenpressing, der Bundesliga-Podcast von The Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Manuel Feit, sitting in for Bryce, who can't make it this week. But that's okay. We got a couple good guests on this week to fill in the void. But first, let me introduce Chris. Chris, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Nice to be back on. Um, was busy last Sunday. Going to be busy this Sunday, which is very nice. But yeah, it's always nice to be back home. How are you? Yeah, excellent. And I'm really excited to talk um, to a couple special guests this week. Um, first of all, we have on James Thorogood. James, how are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's been another wonderfully wild weekend of Bundesliga action. What's not to love? It indeed has been a crazy weekend of Bundesliga action. And we're going to start with the result that is probably a little bit less crazy than the crazy result. But uh, James, Bayern dropping points. It's been happening quite a bit in the Bundesliga this year. Um, I think it's due to the schedule because, you know, the tight schedule that they have had and the Champions League tournament that they had in August. But is there maybe a bit more at play here? I wouldn't say there's more at play. I do think, well, okay, if there is more at play, then I'd put it down to the lack of depth in their squad, which is something that has been addressed with Bayern in recent seasons as well. And I think that lack of depth has obviously caught up with them a little bit more than maybe even they expected it to, given the the burden of the schedule that they've been uh, coping with. And I think it's also the fact that, should we maybe say that, Teams are starting to get used to Bayern under Hansi Flick. They've worked out a few vulnerabilities. I think we saw Union exploit that on multiple occasions today. And if we're being honest, they had so many chances to put that game beyond Bayern's reach um, that maybe they will be disappointed to not come away with all three points. And who would have thought that coming into a game when they were without Robert Andrich and Max Kruser? But those vulnerabilities are starting to show every now and again. And we knew that they were prevalent last season. We just didn't see teams exploit them. Now this season... They're starting to figure out ways to do that, whether it's working the channels, whether it's balls over the top uh, for pacey players like Awani or Becker to chase onto. Those are the types of things we're starting to see. So you combine the the tired legs in this Bayern squad that are still incredibly talented. Uh, you combine that with the injuries that have flared up because of it. And then you combine that with this vulnerabilities that, that opponents are starting to pick out more. And I think you've got this mix that has led to Bayern not being quite the invincible force we saw at the end of last season. Yeah, James, you mentioned Taivo Avoni. Um, Chris, this is he's a Liverpool loanee, so um, you're probably excited to see him do as well as he did. He could have probably put that game away today, couldn't he? It will sound bad if I say he had a hat-trick of misses, but pretty much he did. And there were chances when he looks this back, he will think, oh, I should have scored, especially early on in the first half. He does all the hard work and 
you know, he sits Neuer down on his backside, but it's just the wrong side of the post. And there's um, another one a little bit before or maybe just after that. And then anyway, in the second half, the ball flashes across the face of the goal. He's very unlucky again. Um, I, I won't criticise him because he's playing against arguably the best side in the world and he played very, very well. I think he's one of the standout and young performers. So it would be hard to criticise it. But, you know, he's a professional football player and he'll look back himself on this and think, well, I probably could have done that. But it's Bayern living by the seat of their pants. Agree everything what James has said there. And for me, the real crux of this is Bayern play with very high wing backs. And what they did have previously is they could also play through the middle. So coaches didn't really know what to expect. If you try to negate the high wing back, they'd go through the middle with either Thiago or Kimmich and, and tear you apart. They don't have either of those at the moment, obviously. One's gone away and one's injured pretty much long-term at the moment. So it is a little easier to try and nullify Bayern. But teams like Union now are just thinking, do you know what? This isn't six points to write off every season. We can win here or we can get a good result. And, and that's what they've done. And I think Bayern are being tested and... You're right as well. They're getting tested midweek in the Champions League and then they're getting tested on the weekend at home. It's relentless for them. Yeah, James, I getting the sense watching Bayern that they've almost have it a little bit easier in the Champions League at the moment than they have it in the Bundesliga. I feel like in the Bundesliga, and this is not a new phenomenon, we've now seen this for a couple of years, the entire league is just pushing them a little bit more, which has probably helped their Champions League performances as well. Is this just something that I've observed or is this something that you've noticing as well? No, I think that's fair to say. I think when we saw Bayern taking the measures like leaving Manuel Neuer and Lewandowski behind on an away trip to Atletico, where they, of course, they had wrapped up the group win by that stage, they could afford to do that. But I'm not so sure that in previous seasons, we'd have seen Bayern take that opportunity with big players like Neuer and Lewandowski. Maybe one, but never both um, and never to the extent they did in that game against Atletico. And I think that's allowed them to try and recuperate. But that is, if anything, that makes their form more surprising. The fact that they are taking these measures, they're doing their best to rotate, they're doing their best to rest the key players, and yet they're still dropping points every now and again, and they're still looking vulnerable. Um, and I mean, Chris is right that the wing backs are are crazy but the I think Thiago's missing big time because they don't have Kimmich right now I think Kimmich is a huge loss because he's a driving force but it's also that defensive stability that he he loans now you looked at the midfield pairing uh in the six today for Bayern of Musiala and Goretzka and I don't look at either of those two as defensive specialists that really can protect a back line that left space for Union to exploit and that's not the first team that we've seen that happen against with Bayern this season and I'll be honest it's also happened when Kimmich has been in the team as well but they tend to get away with it a little bit more with Kimmich in the side because he has the quality to recover positions better. Um, so I would say you're, you're not wrong. I think in the Bundesliga, teams are really going at them um, and they're showing more ambition than we've seen in recent seasons. Um, and I think it is a case of the fact that this is one of the most evenly matched campaigns we're going to have in the Bundesliga for a while because there have been these factors that have leveled the playing field a little bit more. And even a team like Bayern, who we're talking about, and they seemed like this invincible force that could not be stopped, even they've been brought down to earth a little bit by this. Um, and I think that's a really good thing for the Bundesliga. It makes for a great campaign. And it does make me think that we might have one of the lowest points totals for a title winner that we've had in maybe eight, nine seasons. Yeah, I would actually fully agree with everything you say there, James. And it's not exactly getting easier for Bayern Munich. Um, they're playing Wolfsburg next on Wednesday. So another Englische Woche in the Bundesliga. Games are still coming thick and fast until all the way up to the winter break. And 
Yeah, Wolfsburg are very good right now. Um, they are one of the sides that are in the top four and they're very much in the top four because another team, I don't want to say the word stumble because that's really not expressing what happened today in Dortmund, Chris. Dortmund getting absolutely destroyed 5-1 by a remarkable VfB Stuttgart side. What, what are we going to make out of that result? Oh, man. I mean... You're quite right. You can't use the word stumble because that would indicate that at some point they're going to get back on their feet. But they don't look to be able to do that at the moment. Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but today was was horrendous. There was that that first part of the game. It had the feeling of a preseason friendly from Dortmund's side. The energy levels were low. the The speed of the play was low. It was sideways and backwards. There was very forward, very few forward penetration. And Stuttgart um, are just a completely different side than that at the moment. They're they're a high, fast transition football side who who want to play good, open, expansive football. And they, I mean, this was a mismatch today for me. And it's not the mismatch you would have thought of. I mean, Stuttgart have played some exceptional football at times. I think they've had a couple of poor draws, but on the whole, they've been playing well. And they've come across a Dortmund side today who are far from that. I know. I know they've got a young squad, but they do have some experience in there. I do also realise that they're playing this relentless schedule of Champions League midweek and Bundesliga the week after. But they never once, even when it went to 1-1 and Giovanni Reina scores that fabulous goal, they never really looked like going on and winning that game. And I can only think back to last week and the week before where Lucien Favre's words are, are not really enthusiastic. Um I would have been happy with a point against Cologne. I would have been happy with a point there. I'm happy with a point here against Frankfurt. Um, Wolfsburg certainly weren't happy with a point against Frankfurt on Friday night. They went on and won the game. There just seems to be a real problem, an attitudinal problem on the pitch. And I now get the feeling that the dressing room is being lost for Lucien Favre, especially after what Mats Hummels and also um, Royce have said this evening. It's so hard, isn't it, when you when you have a performance like Stuttgart's, who have been fabulous, and I think um, Matarazzo got his match plan completely bang on. You know, playing with the the fast players that he did, Wamangituka, Klimovic, Kolibali, um, Förster, they're all fast players that really explored Dortmund's inabilities to defend, and then on the other hand, you know, really did well to shut down Dortmund on the attack. So it's so difficult when you have a team playing as well with Stuttgart, smash a giant like Borussia Dortmund, all the focus always is on the on the giant that just got slayed. And that's maybe a little unfair because Stuttgart were fantastic, but we do have to unfortunately focus on what's going on in Dortmund, James. And when I watched this game, I was at Frank in Frankfurt last year when the Bayern lost 5-1 to Eintracht Frankfurt and then shortly after uh, Kovac left the club. This feels very similar, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. And the fact that the scoreline's the same is just one of those wonderful coincidences that I think only football can throw up sometimes. Um, but I, I think it has that, that exact feel. And I agree with what Chris is saying. I think I think Favre may, I may even go as far as saying he has lost the dressing room. I think they are playing in spite of him. Um, and I think we're seeing these performances where it's very languid and we've got some of the most exciting young players you know, in the Bundesliga, if not the world, in this Borussia Dortmund side, and yet we can't seem to get them unshackled at any point. 
And for me, that comes down to the head coach not really having a tactical plan to get the best out of his players. He has a tactical plan that I think he feels is the best to win games. I don't think it's the best suited for this Dortmund side. They are a team that when they get a bit of pace and they inject a bit of pace, then all of a sudden they look like a completely different entity. And yet Favre seems to have them set up to take pace out of proceedings more often than injecting it into proceedings. And that's that's a worry. Um, and that's why he keeps getting questioned. And for me, it also comes down to a, a character point of view. And I'm not saying that Lucien Favre is a bad character, but for me, he's that, you know, lovable grandpa character. But right now, I think you need a young, fresh you know, coach that has a, a potentially new way of looking at things to really stir up the emotions in this young team again, because the body language is terrible. Sancho, Royce, um, it really, it sends a bad message. Royce in particular concerns me more because Sancho, his body language has always been a little bit bad in my opinion, because he would be given the license to try the tricks and try and beat the man one-on-one. -on -one. And if it didn't work out, he'd always throw up his arms in frustration. But Dortmund let that go because he'd still produce that magic moment every once in a while. He hasn't been doing it as often this season. There's a maybe a whole other debate to that. But Royce concerns me more because he's meant to be the leader and he's not playing every game. He's being well rested. And yet he his body language is terrible and he's not he's not making the runs. He's not injecting pace into the game. He's not taking the game by the scruff of the neck. There's no leadership quality from him. So, yeah, it, it, you're kind of I feel like we're still only just scratching the surface a little bit with Dortmund. And I know I've been very harsh on them. But I think we need to be harsh at this point because, uh, for me, this is a, a monumental moment in this season and in their club's history as to whether they buckle or whether they uh, come out stronger for it. And I think to do that, they do need a change. Yeah, you address... Uh, I can tell that you've been living in Germany for quite some time, James, because... Uh... <laughs> Körpersprache, body language, is probably one of the most used phrases in the German language when it comes to football. Um, Favre also spoke of eine Katastrophe when he described this match. Um, I don't think I need to translate that. And Borussia Dortmund's bosses have said there will be a thorough analysis of the match. I mean, Chris, um, doesn't the result speak for itself? You know, when it's 5-1, I don't think an analysis is very much needed at this point. No, but I would be surprised if they just go on this as an analysis. They'll probably want to look at the past few games, Champions League included, where even though they have won a couple of games and you know they've qualified out of that group, it's still it's still not been with the greatest of play. And if you look at some of the players they've got, and James has mentioned them there, you've got the likes of Sancho, and they've got Reiner, Bellingham, Guerrero, Witzel, Marco Royce, of course, on the bench. You know, there's there's still other good players. Um, Makoko, of course, you know, young lad, full of skill. This side are playing nowhere near their potential or capability. That is probably what they'll want to analyse. They'll also probably want to analyse of what Mats Hummel said. You know that I mean, he was really critical after the game. It didn't mention Favre by name, but I think if we say what what he, you know, if we look at what he says, it's it's evident that he's unhappy. He says that they always try and play through small spaces or they have a huge ball loss rate. And and the crucial bits, he says, it looks like nice football when it works, but it rarely works. It requires too much skill. So that either tells me that he thinks that Dortmund don't have the players to play to Favre's way, or he thinks that Favre doesn't coach in the right way compared to his players. And it's not the first time that the players have spoken out on this um, on this system. We saw it a little bit last season as well. I'm a big believer in body language. And after that match, 
you know, the players exit the pitch. And this particular match, Marco Royce was just sat on the subs bench, um, shirt on, armband on, staring at the floor, um, and he looked livid. And the and the camera cut to Matt Hummels, who is just staring into space with gritted teeth, shaking his head. And then he takes a swig of uh, water from his water bottle and he's shaking his head again and rolling his eyes. Something is definitely not right there. Um, I would be shocked to see Lucien Favre stay much longer. It's such a difficult one, though, isn't it? Um, I mean, it's it's approaching January now. The winter break in Germany is going to be very short, um, just two weeks. It's Saturday when we record this. We have no idea what Borussia Dortmund are going to do Sunday or Monday, if they're going to make a coaching change or not. I know who Chris wants as the next head coach, so um, you know we're not we're not going to go straight to him with this. But you know, when you look at the candidates, Jesse Marsh, Bose at Gladbach, Nagelsmann at Leipzig, those kind of coaches are not available right now, James. So if you do change coaches in this very difficult time, who do you really bring in? Who's available at the moment, and who could even you know steady the ship for BVB? Well, that's a that's a fascinating question. Because um, I'll start what I'm going to say here by saying we're talking badly about Borussia Dortmund, but I still believe this season that this Dortmund team can win the title. I'm not convinced they can do it with Lucien Favre. I am convinced they can do it with another head coach. You're right that right now the availability of of the coaches that they would really want just isn't there, and that is why a man like Ralph Rangnick is being mentioned because. You know, he's at least a free agent right now. The problem with the Rannick pick, he is a long-term project guy. For me, he's not a short-term fix at all. Um, You need him employing a philosophy from start to finish that's been embedded in a club. And I know he could come in and do an admirable job with Dortmund because he's a very talented head coach. But I don't know whether he'd fancy being a short-term fix either. For me, uh, Rosa, I like Rosa too much at Gladbach. I think for Dortmund... And I'll use another German word here because it's just not a good English one for it. But Julian Nagelsmann for me is too unsympathetic. Um, so he's not he's not likable enough. But that that sounds a lot harsher, I think. Um, I think Dortmund needs someone that's relatable. And I don't think Nagelsmann, for all his tactical prowess, is a relatable person to your, your casual Dortmund fan uh, or even your hardcore Dortmund fan. So for me, I think Jesse Marsh is the one that stands out because at least he's a you know, blood pumping, you know, red blooded, you know, man that really pulls out the emotions in players. And we've seen that uh, from him at Salzburg. We've seen that he wants to play this attacking style. So for me, he's the perfect fit, but you're right. He's not available. And so I I wonder whether Dortmund, for all we're talking about them letting go of Favre, I wonder whether they will err on the side of caution purely because a short-term fix won't suit them um, and won't appeal to them. But I, I stand by what I said at the start at this point was that, that Dortmund can win this title, but they can't do it with Favre. Yeah, Nagelsmann for me is, is a laboratory coach. And why would you give up Leipzig in, in, in the current situation that you're in? You have, you have a legitimate shout of winning the title. Um, you know, you, you're a Champions League semi-finalist at the moment. And um, why would you go into a shark tank like BVB? Chris, I, I know you want Jesse Marsh. Um but what do B4B do to fill that gap in case they do decide to part ways with Favre and Jesse Marsh is not available until next summer? Do they bring in Rangnick or do they maybe even try to convince someone like Matthias Sommer to come out of coaching retirement and you know steady the ship? It's a difficult one, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And they do have some um, personalities there who could probably 
get the team going, as in motivate them. Zama, especially Sebastian Kell as well, you know, has got the ability to do that. But do they then have the tactical now, as James says, to coach them to the title? Because you can't just throw them on the pitch and say, go and do what you do best. They do need some sort of guidance. Um, so for me, I, I, I completely get what James is saying that who comes in because there is no one available. The only other possibility I would think outside of that who hasn't been mentioned would be Ralph Hassenhuttle at Southampton. But Southampton is sixth in the Premier League. He's two points off a Champions League place. It's the weirdest of seasons. They're not in Europe. They're playing one week, one match a week. They have a real good shot of getting into Champions League or Europa League placing. So I would even think someone like Hassenhuttle, even though the, the lure of BVB would be massive or BFRB would be massive, I don't think he would turn them down. Um, I don't. Sorry, I don't think he would leave Southampton for that. So they are going to be in a strange position, um, and it could be that it's about the devil you know at the moment. There's plenty of people being mentioned as well. Pochettino, I still don't think that's the right fit myself. I think he's a long-term um, coach as well, and I, I would think that someone like Marco Rosa or Jesse Marsh are the perfect fit, but it's how are you going to get them out of their contracts come the end of the season? Marsh is probably the the easier one to do because Gladbach will quite happily think that they can overtake Dortmund as a potential challenger um, to Bayern the way they're going at the moment. Throw in this victory this as well. If Dortmund lose a couple of players in the summer, they're going to be weakened again. So they need to be able to convince those players who are wanted by top clubs to stay, stay for an extra season because Jesse Marsh is coming in or because Marco Rose is coming in. But they need to know that now because the dressing room looks a mess to me mentally as well as physically. I see James is uh, dying to add something here. So I'll give him the final point before before we're moving on. Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add a bit of maybe historical context here because I think something that when it comes to whether Dortmund actually, you know, bite the bullet and go for a short-term fix. We should maybe look back at what happened with Peter Boss and Peter Stöger in terms of a lesson they may have learned there. And that may be part of their hesitancy to go for a short-term fix. And I think Chris brings up a great point with Pochettino as well, because they could bring in Pochettino right now. But that I think if they do that, they're basically saying, we won't wait for Marsh, we won't wait for Rawls, or we won't wait for Nagelsmann or whoever they've got top of their shopping list. But Pochettino, I, I actually think he could be a very good fit for Dortmund, but it has to be long-term. It cannot be a short-term fix. One other point that we haven't mentioned here, and I think it's important, is that uh, we haven't mentioned the absence of Erling Haaland. And I think that we have to do that if we're criticizing Dortmund's current form, because he is a major, major absentee. And I think his absence has actually exposed Dortmund's weaknesses even more, because they don't have him to paper over the cracks with a goal or two here or there when really nothing's on and he makes everything happen himself, or he's that driving force in the final third that we haven't seen in the last couple of games when everyone seems hesitant to pull the trigger and I, I can't believe that I'm saying that with this Dortmund side um, but that that is the case and I think Erling Haaland's absence is something that needs to be mentioned in this discussion as well. Yeah I mean we, we probably won't find out until at least Monday or Tuesday or maybe not even till January what Dortmund are ultimately going to do and, and it's such an interesting discussion point and yeah, I'm really looking forward to see what is happening. I mean, Pochettino would be an interesting choice. I think the Bundesliga would do very well acquiring a coach like him. But James, I, wa I want to thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure as always. And um, I'm looking forward to have you on again soon. 
Oh, definitely. We're already at two this season. This is great. So, uh, you know, the, the ceiling the ceiling is unending, I think, for us. And uh, it's a pleasure to come on. It's great to be on a show with Chris because the last time I was on, he wasn't on. So great to talk to you again, Chris. Uh, lovely to have a little bit of lively discussion with you both. It's always fun. Yeah, I have to say you've been uh, been absolutely outstanding on the, the Bundesliga World Live feed. So fantastic work. Well, guys, that was James Thorogood. And we're going to have another special guest come up next in Konstantin Eckner to chat to us about RB Leipzig and a potential new signing. Stay tuned. Forward, more on that in a moment. Here's Olmo. It's a brilliant move by Olmo. It is a stunning goal by Danny Olmo. That just underlines his quality. Dazzling footwork. Wonderful ambition. And a wonderful finish to match, and Leipzig double their advantage in spectacular style. I'm joined now by Konstantin Eckner, and if you don't know Konstantin, shame on you, because he does all sorts of things. Um, just on top of my head, BBC, The Times, bunch of German outlets, Amazon as well, right, Konstantin? You are, you are all over the place these days. Exactly. Hi. Hi, Manu. How is it going? <laughs> yeah, it's going all right. Um Yeah, we're recording this just after and a huge caveat to what we have previously heard. Lucio Favre has now been officially fired. We've recorded the first segment on Saturday, this segment on Sunday. So it's been an exciting morning for all of us. But let's talk about something completely different. Um, I want to talk to you about RB Leipzig. And RB Leipzig were all over the news this week because they, surprise, surprise, signed another player from... Oh, about to sign another player you know you shouldn't we shouldn't really announce transfers until the the famous shirt is held up at the press conference but um Dominic Soboslai is going to join RB Leipzig it appears Konstantin and I have a bunch of questions my first question is is he going to fix Leipzig's lack of a true number nine? Oh no no of, of course not um I don't think he He is a number nine. I don't think he sees himself as a number nine. So, um, no, that's uh, I don't think that's what um, he will be. He will turn out to be for Leipzig. I think he's a great addition to their attacking midfield. Um, you know, someone else who brings different, maybe a somewhat different uh, skill set. And I, I also believe, I mean, we can talk about it. That's also about um, basically securing a talent that's been in the Red Bull world. Uh, for quite a while now, uh, since he's 16. So I think it's also about that, that uh, he makes his next step at Leipzig and not at a different place. Yeah, the reason why I'm asking this, because like uh, obviously Dominic Subosla is not a number nine at all. And having watched RB Leipzig, watching RB Leipzig quite a bit, one of the thoughts that I had just a few weeks ago was the fact that like Dominic Subosla, of course, if you have the opportunity to sign him, you have to do it. What I really felt Leipzig has been lacking a little bit was that outlet and um, neither Solot or Wong have been able to really replace Timo Werner and Dominic Soboslai is obviously not going to do it either. Now, I had a thought and I'm really curious what you think about this because you've spoken to um, Emil Forsberg and Emil Forsberg has been fantastic for him lately. Soboslai and Forsberg play a similar role, but Forsberg has been kind of been reinvented by Julian Nagelsmann a little bit, playing more as a, as a striker. Now, with Soboslai arriving, is that going to give Leipzig an extra option to move Forsberg around a little bit and play him as a number nine and adding Soboslai to that lineup? 
What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I guess that's that's one possibility. Um, you, you know, you you got you got you don't really have a, a let's say amazing center forward right now. I mean, as you said, like a Paulson, you know, in and out basically. Solo um, not ha- has not been what I think some believed he could he could be. Uh, I, I would still give him a little, a little bit of time. Wong has dealt with Corona, so I mean Nagelsmann even commented about him having like heavy symptoms. So I mean the, I, you know ne- you never know how long it takes to recover from that fully. So he has been a non-factor. So you you got Emil Forsberg who likes to play as a number nine, is, uh, who just likes to position. I mean he he is. He realizes that he's not a winger or like the kind of winger anymore he was a couple of years ago when he and Sabitzer played both on the and he on the left side, uh, Forsberg on the left side, Sabitzer on the right side. Both are not on the wings anymore. It's just you know I think uh, somewhat of a natural uh, progression as a player. You know you you lose a little bit of speed, uh, but you're mature on the other hand. You can read the game better, and Forsberg is the one who can read the game very well now um, at his age, 29. Um, so yeah, why not use him up front and then Soboslai being more of a winger, although he, he sees himself as a number 10, number 8. Um, so there's some debate about what his best position is. I think he can be used as in various positions on the left side as a right footer, uh, but also in the middle. So why not use him more uh, in this um, outside, inside role, basically, you know, between between the wing and the and the inside lane, especially when you have someone like Angelini on the left side, who can just run up and down all the time. Uh, why not use someone before him, in front of him, that is going to the inside a lot? So there, I think there's Soboslay's best role right now. And and yes, it will benefit um, other players. Um, I mean, I, I think that the plan is right now to have Forsberg playing a lot as as uh, center forward. Well, I mean, what you whatever you want to call it, this is a center forward, this is a false nine. But you know that, like that, might be his, his future role in this team. I've been really fascinated by RB Leipzig for for quite some time. Um, you know, people that listen to this podcast and, and follow me on Twitter and read my articles, they know this, and I, I find them fascinating because of the the way that they operate in an almost a laboratory setting and really reinventing football. And you you can you can love or hate the the way they have um, secured their finances. Right, that's a completely different topic. But I, I think that this addition is a magnificent addition in so many ways, and it gives them so much flexibility, and it gives them, it, it makes them, in my opinion, makes them a title candidate and probably the most likely candidate, given what's going on with Borussia Dortmund, other than Bayern Munich. What's your thoughts on that, Konstantin? I, I believe they they can. Um, I still believe that Bayern will eventually come out on top again this season. Um, just because in some instances they they have these kind of uh, game changers um, like Lewandowski who can just make a difference in in some games where you know Leipzig they they don't have the the Lewandowski um, they have a lot of talent especially in the attacking department but they have not that one guy uh, who might you know help them to win a couple of points undeservedly and I think with Bayern that's the case yes right now they have the trouble. Um, they only draw uh, Union Berlin, for instance, and they were underwhelming, uh, to say the least. Uh, but I think overall, Bayern are still the favorites. I've, what I think Leipzig try to do, what their ambition is right now, is they try to be 
the second best team in Germany, the, you know, the number two in Germany, which is still like a tremendous achievement, especially when probably the best team in the world is number one. So, you know, being number two is still a big deal. Um, and being ahead of Borussia Dortmund, who you know, just you just mentioned it, uh, they, you know, they fired Lucien Favre and they are in all kinds of troubles right now. So um, right now trying to establish yourself as number two. And I think, even maybe winning the championship one year can help you to be the number 10 to become uh, the, the number two. Um, but also in, in general, just, you know, establishing yourself ahead of Borussia Dortmund would be a tremendous achievement. And I think Leipzig, that's what they try to do right now. One thing you mentioned, the interview I did with uh, Emil Forsberg, and one interesting thing he, he told me was, he, he told me, um, we want to show against uh, Manchester United, I was ahead of the of the last match against Manchester United, we want to show against Manchester that we can hang with the best in Europe. And it's an interesting mindset, right? You you reach the semifinals uh, a couple of months previously uh, in August, uh, but you still have the mindset of, we want to show Europe that we can hang with the best. So there's still this mindset at Leipzig, we want to establish ourselves, we want to become part of this elite group of teams. We are not there right now. But we are on our way, um, and we have the confidence that we will be there and we will be accepted. Uh, but I think they are still in this, you know, climbing up the ladder, ladder phase of their, um, yeah, of their basically um, process of establishing themselves uh, at the top. So, yes, um, well, I mean that's uh, that's kind of where I think they are right now, and um, in, they, I think they can become champions in one season, you know, because other teams have also done the same uh, when everything uh, falls in their way in, in, in some way and like Bayern are struggling, then why not? Leipzig have the potential to do that. Um, you, you see it right now. I mean, Bayern are anything but world beaters, right? Yeah, I feel like Bayern are a world beater um, anywhere, but in in the Bundesliga at the moment, the Champions League, they always step it up um, one extra level. But staying to Le- staying at Leipzig, um, I'm really been fascinating by by Forsberg and the way he's been playing and I mean you spoke to him and he was this incredible talent just you know a couple years ago and he it completely fell apart for him his his performances dropped what do you think happened that he just picked it up so much is it is it the new position is it also just you know um, working with Nagelsmann for a year now that what is it what has what has made Forsberg a player again that you know a lot of clubs around Europe are looking at, and he's like, "Oh yeah, this guy is actually is actually a really good player, and we would like to have him." Yeah, I think working with Nagelsmann has helped him, and and also, um, I mean, he he has been injury free for a while now. That also helps him because he had a lot of problems, you know, inju- uh, muscle injuries, adductor injuries. Um, he couldn't stay fit. Uh, he couldn't do preseason camps, at, at least not to the entirety. Um, so I think that really helps him that he's fit now. And also I think what I mentioned before is that he has in his mind accepted that he is now a different player, um, that he's not this this kind of flashy highlight real winger. He has a lot of one-on-one situations where he breaks through, he beats defenders. He's different now. Um, he's mature, he's a bit slower, but he is more of a playmaker. Um, and he can be a playmaker as a number ten and as a number nine. Um, I mean, if he's playing as number number nine, he's doing the the Mario Götze style number nine, of course. Uh, a lot of layoff passes and and you know securing the ball, um, advancing situations. So that's what he he does uh, when he's a number nine. So really, he has realized who he is now, uh, what he can do, and what he can't do. 
And when I talked to him, I really I felt that, that he, he also told me that he has, um, I mean, we did it in German, but he basically told me in, uh, when you translate, like he has, he has grown into this new role, into this role as a playmaker in the middle, as someone who helps his teammates. So it was also something I, I realized that he told, uh, talked about how he wants to help his teammates, how he wants to set the stage for them to shine. And I think the 24-year-old Emil Forsberg had a different mindset. He was more about, all right, I want to do great things here. I want to shine. Um, but, you know, like his career turned out differently, I think. Uh, maybe he imagined himself playing for one of the big teams in, in England and stuff like that, but didn't work out for him. He stayed at Leipzig and now he's more of a of a, one of the leaders at Leipzig. That's also something we talked about, that he, Sabitzer, a few others like Kevin Kampel, they are the leaders at Leipzig because they are they have been there for a while and uh, they have a lot of young talent. So a, a team like that also needs leaders. And as we mentioned, working with Nagelsmann, um, Nagelsmann has has flaws as every coach has, but um, he also what he can really do well is making some players, even especially like misfits, so to say, uh, making them better, turning them into something uh, they might not even have imagined they could be. Like you see that also with Angelino, in my opinion. Um, so also working with Nagelsmann can help a player a lot, especially when the player has uh, somewhat of an identity crisis, you know, when, when they're trying to find their new role in, in, in the team or just in football in general. So I think Nagelsmann really helps these players who have been underappreciated and maybe the players who aren't sure who they are right now. So yeah, that's also something. Working with Nagelsmann can help you as a player. That's why also we see some players, you know, who leave Nagelsmann or Nagelsmann leaves them, then drop uh, a notch down again because like uh, they don't have their, their their teacher there who can help them he's an he's a very interesting man um, i always love going on press conferences with him because he will um he he will tell you and he's unhappy with you or your question and he will always oh, yeah. correct your questions <laughs> he's always a very entertaining man i think um the, the term nagelsmann is definitely something that we use on this podcast to describe our run-ins with julian nagelsmann but I mean, he gets results, and I, I think, you know, we have to. I have to ask you this question, and I have I have a very strong opinion about this myself. Um, I personally don't think it's ever going to happen. But Borussia Dortmund have fired the head coach. There's a bunch of names floating around there. Julian Nagelsmann has been mentioned. I personally can't see him leave his laboratory setting at RB Leipzig for Borussia Dortmund. I think he will eventually leave and go somewhere else. But I don't think it's going to be Borussia Dortmund. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I think I think the problem right now with, with uh, Dortmund is that the timing is weird, right? They have to make a move in January. I, I don't really know what their uh, what their plans are right now. So, or they, I, I, I'm, actually, they don't really know themselves what their plans are. So, <laughs> there you go. Um, and I think like, how can they bridge the gap from January to July or to June, and then sign there um, that the the one candidate or the, one of the candidates they prefer. Because they prefer a couple of names, but all of these names are not available right now. Um, and, and like Leipzig and Gladbach, when it comes to Rosa, um, these clubs won't like go. And yeah, of course, we let our manager go in January. I mean, that's what they would be basically, you know, signing your own defeat certificate. Um, so no, that's that's not something they will do. So I think for Dortmund, it will be will be kind of difficult. Um, but I think Nagelsmann might be the next candidate or the next the next uh right let's say logic logic choice uh for the Dortmund job um and I mean there they have been like Nagelsmann was in contact with Bayern 
um, a couple of years ago where they decided against him. Of course, they didn't really like his personality. I mean, he can be a bit off-putting sometimes, you know? <laughs> you can not only Nagelsmann, uh, like when you use Nagelsmann as a verb, you can, uh, it's not only something he does to journalists, he also does to other people sometimes, you know, sometimes. Uh, Forsberg also told me that Nagelsmann is a great guy and, and like really laid back. So I think there are like two, two um, Nagelsmann personalities, um, the laid back one and the more charged one. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that maybe Dortmund is is an option for him, um, and uh, rightfully would be an option for him to make the next move. Um, but I'm I'm not sure right now because, as I said, the timing is weird. It's just uh, like it's always weird to um, as a top club to to have to sack your coach in, in December and not really have that many options on the market. Yeah, January is worst time. I find I find yeah. this is the worst timing period to do this this change because like any of the candidates, whether it's Nagelsmann, Rose, Jesse Marsh, um, you know, they're all not going to be available. So I think Borussia Dortmund are going to look a stopgap. And why would you leave Leipzig? Uh, as I said yesterday on Twitter, why would you leave a Champions League semi finalist and potential title candidate to clean up a mess at Borussia Dortmund? I think personally, I can't see it happening in. January, um, maybe in the summer, but yeah, who knows? Well, Constantine, thank you so much for jumping onto this podcast. It's it's been a pleasure chatting to you, and we have to do this very 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 soon as well again. Sure, was well, a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, and yeah, talk to you soon again. Well, that's all we've got time for this week. Our thanks once again to James and Constantine for joining us, and as ever, our thanks to you for listening. Until next time, juice. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.